The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. I like your pronouns. I mean mine. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and anything else we feel like talking about here in the Pansanity. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosal. And welcome to our show. Uh, we have, I believe, some Bluetooth headphones that you are going to talk about uh, a little bit later in the show. And yes. I've got some news. I mean, there's news all the time. Like last week, what was it? Jack Dorsey stepped down from Twitter. Uh, the Facebook files of bad and greedy behavior kept on growing. Francis Hagen, the whistleblower, was doing more interviews. Uh, the incoming mayor of New York City said he wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. Amazon Web Services took down half the Internet this week. It's been very, very busy just within this past week. And then there's even more news we can get into. Would you like to hear some of it? I would love to hear more, but I'm still kind of bugged out by the fact that our mayor wants, you know, he's a crypto nerd. He said he wanted, what, three months in Bitcoin? Like he didn't want all of it in Bitcoin, but he's showing that he's uh, hip hip to this whole new crypto scene and going to roll with it. And whereas our, our current mayor, I have more questions about him and, and some of his, uh, you know, decisions here lighten the term, but whatever, Bill. Don't, don't, don't. don't. It's like yeah. red meat. Don't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, spe- especially to a, a born and bred New Yorker here. Yes, who has seen your share of, of mayoral activity. Schmoes. Oh, no, activity, activity. Okay, I thought we were going in a different direction. Okay, fine public servants. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I will definitely, I've got no TV reviews, no, I've been like literally just working nonstop. Oh, really? So so not not even any of whatever the Marvel Universe put out, the Hawkeye or anything? I did see two episodes of Hawkeye and it makes absolutely no sense to me. I have no idea what's going on, but I kind of like it. Uh, most of it is obviously filmed in New York, so I kind of like that. But you know, hey, that's right. That's what. That's where that is. Okay, that's good. You they know. didn't have to like put the fake stickers on the yellow cars and no, but cabs. Then, again, then you know, then they pretend that they're in Queens, and it's clearly that's not Queens. That doesn't even look like Queens. Yeah, but, you, you know, know from Queens, but yes, I gotta. You know, I I, I sometimes I forget to forgive. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, it's, yeah, it's a you know, point they, of pride with your native city it's here. Right, and it's a money thing. They can't be, you know, they do pickup shots. They can't do it in, you know, they, they're not going to spend $4 million to, you know, but. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, what's a little continuity? You know, most of the, the world won't notice. But yeah, and well, I, I saw Hawkeye with him. But part of me, I always found him a ripoff of the Green Arrow, you know, just the, the bow and arrow guy in your particular Marvel DC universe. And I was always a Green Arrow fan, especially, you know, the Denny and Neil era. With the Green Lantern? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Green yeah. Arrow, Green Lantern, and, mm-hmm. and the Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill. Brave and the Bold, era. yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember if Hawkeye or Green Arrow came first, but I always came down in the Green Arrow camp, and then, you know, the Green Arrow show was on the CW predating all this, so I'm like, eh, it's whatever, it's, you know, the, the Robin Hood guy from whatever universe. So, needless to say, I really didn't schedule in the time to see Hawkeye, but, uh, but you have watched two episodes and found that it perhaps was more convoluted than it should have been. In all fairness, again, I'm so used to these comic books shows and movies, especially giving you everything in the first five minutes, you know, like really just laying it out there because they have to get to the big fight scenes and all that stuff. Yeah, the set pieces. Yeah. So they're setting up a storyline, sort of like what they did with WandaVision. They took it slow. Granted, the quality of this show is nowhere near WandaVision, not even close, but it's still good. (laughs) Say what you will. Disney spends some serious money to make these TV shows look like movies. I mean, this thing is spectacular. 
spectacular. So much so that in the first scene of this thing, they redid a scene from the first Avengers movie from a different angle, a completely different view. Like, same exact scene, but they filmed it from Kate Bishop's view, the Hawkeye character, the other Hawkeye character. It's mind-boggling how much money they had to spend to do something like this. I don't know if they did it with CGI. I don't know if it was an actual thing. It was spectacular. And this was in the first minute of the show. So you know they spared no expense. So I'm going to give it a shot. You know, a shot. Yeah, well, and, and then these things are never tons of episodes. And I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Book of Boba Fett is coming out at the end of the month, right? Yeah, at the end of the month. And again, they are, they're sparing no expense. And the nice thing about this is that it's based on a comic book. Well, not 100% based on it. Hawkeye, that is. It's based on the 2012, I think it was like uh, 15 or 20 issues they did. Uh, it was a Hawkeye series. And it was sort of like a, a tongue-in-cheek type, you know, it was pretty good. I remember reading it, and I'm going to actually reread it, but I don't remember the storyline. I remember the tracksuit mafia and all that stuff, but I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give it a shot. All right. So so you've got some some watching to do as we head into the slower part of the year. Shall we whip through some news? I think Just we the more, should. Just the more current stuff. Yes, I think we should. Well, well this one uh, is, is quite recent. As you know, Tesla cars have already raised regulatory suspicion uh, as their self-driving mode has led to crashes and other automotive mishaps uh, when the computer takes over from the human driver. But new reports have surfaced that show that drivers can actually play video games on the car's dashboard when the vehicle is tooling down the road. Uh, <laughs> one And one owner of a, a Tesla Model 3, I guess he was watching some YouTube videos and, and people were saying, oh, look, you can like play whatever, you know, solitaire on your dashboard because there's a touchscreen dashboard. And he was doing this when the car was in motion. And I guess these video games came in on an over-the-air software update this summer. Then some Tesla said, oh, look, I've got these games and they can either be played in the, the driver's side or the passenger side. Maybe they're thinking if you're stuck in traffic, you can get some solitaire action in or something. But there doesn't seem to be any way to stop the games from playing, even if you were driving down the road you know, on the highway. So needless to say, highway safety officials are looking into the matter and they're discussing it with Tesla because this whole distracted driving thing is an issue, and according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the combination of the hands-free driving and drivers just flat-out not paying attention to the road has been uh, connected to at least 12 traffic deaths since 2016 with Tesla cars that were operating in that autopilot mode. So the fact that you can play video games on your dashboard while the car is in motion is not making the government folks too happy there. I imagine it wouldn't. Definitely not. Definitely not. I gotta say, Elon Musk is is seriously becoming more and more of a doofus. I don't understand. He doesn't like restrictions of any kind, and and I think there's a contrarian bent too. And, and granted, SpaceX is is doing huge things with NASA and and helping to propel the U.S. space program. But some of his more earthly adventures, I think, are a little cheeky. Yeah, he's too much of a doofus. Anyway. Anyway, while we're on the topic of regulators, regulators, including the United States Congress, have been looking into a lot of big tech's business lately. Adam Masseri, the CEO of Instagram, just appeared at a Senate hearing regarding teen safety and leaks from the whistleblower Frances Haugen. Uh, some of those reports that she shared that Facebook, or I guess we call them Meta now. No, I'm not going to call them that. Oh, yeah, well, not. Okay, we're not going to call them. Facebook and Instagram knew that they had internal data that showed that 
their products were damaging, especially teen girls' self-esteem, and yet they kept going. So there had been all these reports about, you know, the depression, the emotional issues with younger users. And so the CEO Masseri appeared in front of the Senate Commerce Consumer Protection Subcommittee to answer questions about how the site promotes inappropriate content, how targeted ads aimed at young people are spun up, and what legal options are available for users who have suffered harm from using Instagram. And and we, we've seen these tech subcommittee things before where there's some contrition and, oh, our company never meant to do that. Our data doesn't show this. We define this as that. We will do better. And so there was a little bit of that, but the hearing grew tense at times as Masseri dealt with questions. I think Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota and Ralph Blumenthal of Connecticut and also Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee were right up there about the company's practice of putting profits ahead of the mental health of its users. And these senators had questions about how Instagram uses its algorithms to highlight engagement or prioritize engagement and to order the user experience. And some lawmakers offered examples of fake Instagram accounts that their staff members created that easily found graphic content on suicide, illegal drugs, coaching for eating disorders. Anorexia is very easy to trigger with people online. And so they were sort of pushing back. And, and so Ms. Harry was saying, oh, you know, we've got new product features like better parental controls. And we're going to have a reminder that tells the teens to take a break from scrolling. And Yeah, yeah, because that works. Yeah, because that would ever work. One of the senators referred to those as those baby steps don't work, uh, something to that effect. And then Masseri also said that they were going to have some sort of a less algorithmic but more chronological feed instead of having the software decide what you should see. Maybe you just see everyone that you subscribe to in chronological order, sort of like it used to be. I would love that. Yes, and and because the reason they use the algorithm is to keep you hooked, and because if you have a bunch of boring friends and they all come up in a row, maybe you wander away. But if Instagram is picking it for you, then you're going to stay on the hook. And they can actually send you ads. Yes, you get that targeted advertising. Because you know what? I don't need any more no-show socks, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. Stop bugging me with that. Stop bugging me with that. <laughs> so, so there, and he uh, was also pushing for an update to uh, Section 230, the Communications Decency Act of 1996, saying tech companies should only receive legal protection from liability for user-generated content if they abide and adhere to kids' safety rules. So he, they're trying to keep Section 230, which a lot of government people want to get rid of, which would make platforms responsible for their user content. It sure would. They're trying to keep this as, as a shield for themselves, but saying, well, make this only available if these companies do the safety rules. And a lot of people have pointed out that that would only benefit the huge dominant platforms that have the big buckets of money to implement any new legal requirements. And so, so there was some pushback on that as well. But he was uh, up there for, for quite a while. Flops wet, flops wet. Yeah. And, and I think in the early days, remember when we, we saw some of these hearings, uh, the, the Congress people weren't really hip on the tech and you know, there's the various cookie jokes and monks, they know what cookies were. They have got more sophisticated. And I think they've also been letting their younger staff members kind of guide them and like just with like making the fake Instagram accounts that immediately uh, attracted all of this nasty stuff. So, so they're sort of getting a little hipper there. Who knows? This is all part of the, the Congress pokes at big tech and tries to figure out what they need to regulate. On other parts of Capitol Hill, the House Financial Services Committee had a summit of cryptocurrency executives. Um, Here we go. Here we go. Had them in to discuss concerns over regulatory regimes for stable coins and trading platforms and many other topics. And this hearing lasted nearly five hours, maybe even more. And it was live streamed. I guess all of the, the crypto fans were watching just to see if there was going to be any sort of immediate regulation coming down. But this was just a hearing and, and Maxine Waters and 
the Congress people were sort of just asking questions and getting some information. If you missed it, I taped it. I taped it. Yes, it's on my uh, DVR. Yeah, well, yeah, well, if your DVR happened to have clipped any of it, you can relieve the video experience over on the U.S. House Committee for Financial Services website, oh, uh, which yeah, I will put a link on our show page. You can see the whole thing, uh, big old YouTube video. So let me get this straight: Was Mr. Mayor there? He was not there. No, he, oh, he was uh, not there. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he's kind of getting. He was picking like a new education uh, director and whatever. Yeah, I guess uh, he was actually week. doing his job. Fair enough. But, Fair uh, enough. but yeah, they, they had I think uh, six of the big cryptocurrency execs. Not all of them, but some of the ones who have shown themselves to be more interested in how the political side of of regulation is going to work. Can I say something here? I'm going to admit something here. I realize that we're these high level tech gurus. Hey, we're tech gurus. I would say, right? For the what the for the six people that listen to the show, yeah, yeah, we app about it enough. We, yeah, okay. So, I don't understand cryptocurrency. I don't understand NFTs. To be perfectly honest with you, the fact that I'm actually buying something that doesn't really exist, I'm seriously, I don't understand this stuff. This is a very difficult confession for me to make. It takes it into a whole new realm. I mean, you, plus you're always a hardware guy. I am. I like to have stuff. If I'm paying a lot of money, first off, I like cash. I really like the whole concept of cash, Dogecoin, like, you know, dog money, not so much. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I'm sorry, but that's just me. Maybe that makes me old school. Maybe that's like, you know, get off the lawn, but I don't get this crypto coin stuff. And then you got to have a code to confirm it. That's based on something from a newspaper. It blows my mind. Oh, the whole blockchain thing. Yeah, it's. It's a very complex and and there's a lot of early adopters and a lot of the NFTs to, you know, these sort of non-fungible tokens that, that yes, this is digital, but this is the only one of it exists. There was this mad rush for it early in the year. A lot of people said this is just like the speculation of the Dutch tulips that crashed the Netherlands economy <laughs> yes. hundreds of years ago. It. I read that, yeah. Yeah, and, and so people are not quite sure, like, is the next big thing really the next big thing or is it a fad and it's just going to ruin people financially. So so we're, we're still getting sorted on that. Thank you for letting me, you know. Yeah, no, no, right ran away. Chest. Yes. No, no, it's just a confession. This is a confession. Yes, time. yes. All right. Well, we have a few more little bits of regulatory news okay. and then we'll move on to more fun stuff. And because uh, as you know, uh, Europe takes a bit of a stricter line oh, on yes. a lot of this stuff. They and do? and uh, in news from across the pond, the European Commission has proposed new rules that if passed, would require gig economy companies like Uber to consider their drivers and couriers as employees entitled oh. to a minimum oh. wage and legal protections. Fancy that. Oopsie. Yes. Uh, and, and again, th these are not on the books yet. But if enacted, uh, these new rules would affect up to an estimated 4.1 million people and give the European Union some of the world's strictest rules for this so-called gig economy. Now, labor unions, as you can imagine, applauded the move. While Uber and other companies that rely on gig workers as independent contractors, as they're currently classified, those companies are expected to lobby hard against these proposed measures. And again, they're, they're still just proposed measures. The, the rules do need to go through all the kind of legislative hoops and all of that before becoming law. So th this could be a while before anything happens. But at least the, the first shot across the bow has been fired here. There you go. So, so we'll see. And, and who knows if, if Europe tightens up, you know, will it happen here? We don't know. It's never going to happen here. You know that. There seems to be more lobbying on this end. Too many doofuses like Elon, even though he has nothing to do with this. But, you know, he's just a perfect example of a doofus. But while we're yapping about legal stuff, an appeals court has granted a stay on that part of Epic v. Apple. Uh, remember that ruling? Oh, uh, specifically, how could I forget? Are you kidding me? Yes. And the, the stay is specifically about the part on App Store payments. Now, uh -oh. as a result of the court pausing this part of the ruling... 
Apple can maintain its existing system as the sole source of in-app payments on iOS, despite the district court's earlier ruling that the exclusive arrangement is uh, what you call it, illegal. <laughs> the state doesn't reverse the earlier ruling, but it puts the enforcement part of it on hold. So yes, this is still illegal, but we're not going to enforce it yet until the appeals court can fully hear the case, which is probably going to take months because we're going into the holidays, everything slows down, and then, you know, people... Takes a while to get all this stuff done. In other Apple news, leaks and speculation about Apple's long-rumored augmented reality headset are popping out again, including the usual leaks from the supply chain folks. But uh, one of the whispers is that this rumored headset will include four sets of superior 3D sensing modules that create new hand gesture and object detecting components for the user interface. Now, this new interface will include gesture control, object detection, as well as eye tracking, iris recognition, voice control, skin detection, expression detection, and spatial detection. That's a lot of detection. But it's all to help you create this augmented reality world. Now, industry watchers are expecting Apple to launch this first-generation AR-focused device Next year, which next year starts in like three weeks. So I don't think it, it, this could be like their one of their summer announcement things, if it is indeed real. But we're still on the fence about it. We didn't like the Google Glass. Glass holes. Yeah. And, and in general, like the VR headsets, I like the concept. I don't wear, want to wear a thing on my head. Like, I think we've always been like full holodeck or nothing here, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely full holodeck. No question about it. Yeah. So, so knowing Apple... It'll probably be more stylish and three times as more expensive as what, what Google Glass was, but we have not seen an actual product yet, so, so we can't really do anything but speculate. So, so those that could be coming along. Now, despite the shakeup at the top of the org chart, Twitter has been keeping busy. The bird theme microblogging service is testing new features, including a new version of its Explore tab that perhaps borrows a bit from TikTok. On the testing version of said Explore tab, tweets are displayed in a full-screen vertical scrolling format, much like the talk. Would that encourage you to spend more time on Twitter? No, absolutely not. Nothing at this point will encourage me to spend more time on Twitter. I don't know if you've noticed, but I have not been on that platform all that much over the last few weeks. Neither have I. I've kind of, even in, in terms of, of news flashes and stuff. I'm getting more from push alerts from news sites. And yeah. And as it should be, that's the way it should be, folks. Reputable news sites. Yes. Yes. So, so you're staying out of the, the, the birdhouse there. I'm trying to, you know, I dip in and make Blow some waves. Steam, yeah. I can't deal with it too much anymore. It's just, it's just overwhelming. It just really ruins the day. I have known more people who have like quit all forms of social media and I'm just close. find themselves much happier and much more productive because you're doing creative projects for yourself instead of wasting time like watching a fight or having a fight or being in a fight. Or waiting for someone to, hey, did anyone reply to my thing to get that little dopamine rush and all that stuff? I'm very close, very, very close to doing that. Getting off Facebook was an eye opener. You know, I don't know. Do you know that I got off Facebook? I don't know if I've mentioned that on the show. Before. I, I think you may have mentioned it slightly I, I mean, yeah. in passing yeah. like several months ago. And then <laughs> I've completely forgotten about it since then. <laughs> yes. But, you know, Instagram is next. I loved using Instagram, but it's clear that it's got the Facebook, not meta, Facebook disease of just trying to scoop as much information and trying to sell you crap. And Twitter's next. Twitter's a real cesspool. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, as more people leave, maybe it's it's going to have a paradigm shift. Who knows? I hope so. That would be nice. 
Moving on, uh, Roku and Google, who have been having a legal slap fight over YouTube, seem to have settled their differences and have agreed to a multi-year extension for both YouTube and YouTube TV. Those apps can be distributed once again on Roku. Now, the core of the dispute centered on Roku's allegations that Google was making anti-competitive demands as part of its distribution agreements, including preferential treatment of its YouTube TV and YouTube apps within the Roku system. YouTube TV, for those who don't know, that, that's a sort of skinny live TV streaming service where you can get some broadcast channels and it lets, the cord cutters love it because it's a cheap alternative to paying hundreds of dollars for cable. But Google denied all these allegations that it was trying to, to Bigfoot its apps into the stores. Had the two companies not come to an agreement, YouTube TV and regular YouTube would have been removed from Roku's channel store, which would have been problematic in this highly competitive streaming video market where everybody and their mother has a streaming channel and sometimes you have to have like YouTube on there or people aren't going to want to use it because YouTube's a thing. That's very true. My son, he loves watching YouTube. I find things on there that I had no idea existed. And, That's right. And also to, to just be scrolling and like to find someone has taken the time to digitize a commercial from like 1971 that you remember being on. And then, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. But fun. But fun. Yeah. In, in, a, in a sort of cheap nostalgia way. Now, if you are a Verizon wireless customer, you may want to take a look at your privacy settings. Uh, several news outlets report that the company is automatically enrolling its customers in a newly renamed program that scans mobile users' browser histories. And even though they have renamed this program, it's doing so now. They renamed the program. So if you opted out under the old name, it's been renamed and they, they enrolled everyone in it again. So you got to go back. So if you uh, opted out of the Verizon Selects program way back when, which collects browser and app usage history, you now need to go back in and opt out of Verizon Customer Experience Plus, which is the new name for it. Same data Hoover, big old name. Uh, Verizon says that it does not sell the information it collects, uh, but it does share the data with service providers who work with us. And it also says it uses the data to personalize communications. But if you were just creeped out by all the data collection, go in there and change your settings. Are you a Verizon wireless customer? I am actually doing it right now. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'm opting out as you're talking. I'm not even lying. They said, hey, you know, it's a new name. We're just going to sign you back up for it. And, and so that, that has not made privacy folks very happy. And finally. And finally. We salute pioneering actress and Star Trek icon Nichelle Nichols, who made her final convention appearance this past weekend. Uh, Nichols, who starred as Lieutenant Nuhura in the original 1960s Star Trek series, and inspired generations of fan and future space nerds will turn 89 later this month. Now, she's been suffering from dementia. There's been kind of a conservator fight. But she appeared at the Los Angeles Comic-Con with her son, Kyle Johnson, and several supporters, including former NASA astronaut Mae Jemison. For those who don't know, Mae Jemison is the first black woman to go into space. Now, in the 1970s and 80s, Nichols worked with NASA to help recruit women and minorities into the space program, and Mae Jemison was one of those. And so to have everyone kind of come back, and I think she may have also talked to Sally Ride at one point, but because Nichelle Nichols was such a dominant presence and people recognized her from Star Trek and NASA had the brains to have her go out and, and talk to people and try to recruit them, it worked. We got many fabulous astronauts and women into the space program. And so Michelle Nichols, she's retiring fully from the convention circuit. And I think she, the dementia is bad enough that she really didn't say anything, but she got a standing ovation and everyone got to see her one last time. And it was uh, very moving, uh, reportedly. So we here at Pop Deck Jam salute her as well. Yes, we do. An amazing actress and a uh, heck of a role model. And we wish her well. And a trailblazer. For anyone out there who wants to know more about some of these stories or you want to watch that super long video on the Cryptocurrency House Committee, we will have links to all these stories and more on our show page at 
poptechjam.com. Up next, we might have some things about Bluetooth. On our last show, you you had some some Bluetooth, and you you admitted that you were coming around to the old wireless headphone thing, right? I am. I'm definitely coming around. Now, this time around, I'm going to talk about a company that has put out some of my favorite headphones in the past. I've talked about headphones and speakers and monitors being flat. And the flatter they are, the more real life, the the more they expose flaws and pluses in a given recording, right? A set of headphones or a set of speakers that are flat will give you a non-exciting, a very unexciting, a very what you hear is what you get type of experience. Now, when you're talking about headphones that you're going to use for fun or headphones that you connect to your stereo system, if people even still have those, It's okay to have something that's a little more exciting, something that's a little more bright, a little more thumpy in the low end. It's okay because that's, you're listening to that for fun. You're not listening to it because you're like me, you're a producer or an audio engineer like I am trying to make things sound better. And the reason I bring this up is because I really wanted to like the PX7 headphones from Bowers and Wilkins. Now, Bowers and Wilkins is a British company who are known for making high-end monitors and speakers for recording studios and for home use. I was thinking that they were really blue chip. Yes, they are top tier. You go into some higher-end recording studios, you'll see these massive and amazing-sounding speakers. Now, they dipped into the consumer market a few years ago, and they made a series of luxurious and great sounding headphones. They were made with real leather, aluminum, steel, and I love them. They were incredibly expensive. Back then, I'm talking about seven or eight years ago, they were like $499 for a set of headphones, $499. That's an investment. Right. They sounded great. They looked great. They were an investment and they still sound good. I still use them on a regular basis and they've held up. These PX7s, which are Bluetooth headphones, they they chinched out a little bit. Like instead of using aluminum or steel, they went with hard plastic. And the side cups, which traditionally were high-grade plastic that looked like metal, they went with really cheap, clicky-clacky, will-snap-in-half type plastic. But they still charged premium, $399. So the drop in the material quality, but not the price. Bingo. So, okay, that's fine. If the audio sounds good, I can forgive that because they're still really pretty well-made headphones. Do they sound good? This is Uh the problem. They're unexciting. They're like, meh. Yeah, they're meh. Now, okay, meh is all right because they don't sound bad on any particular style of music. It just seems to me like they, they tried to make a pair of headphones that sounded good to everyone. It has just enough thump for folks that like the thump. It has just enough of a recessed mid for people who don't like that brittle, you know, tight sound. It has just enough treble 
for folks who don't like it too bright, but just bright enough. You know, there were compromises made in these headphones. And that's all I hear. I hear the compromises. I hear the fact that, man, this could really use a big thump here. So you hear what you're missing. Correct. I think they're so focused on the music aspect, Bowers and Wilkins, that is, that they forgot that people are going to use these on their TVs. I use these on my TVs to watch shows in the middle of the night so I don't have to wake the neighbors or wake my kids up. And there's something missing when you're listening to a movie or a TV show and you want to hear that explosion and you want to feel that explosion. There's some headphones that are tweaked just right for you to feel that explosion, but these are not one of them. So it was the compromises that really bothered me. And the fact that these are $399 headphones, that's not cheap. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's an investment. It's a lot of money, especially nowadays, you know, do you really want to spend that kind of money on a Bluetooth set of headphones? Now, when you compare it to my, what I call my reference headphones, the W1000, uh, blah, 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 the, whatever, the X4, XMF4, I don't even remember, but the Sony Bluetooth headphones, the top-of-the-line Sonys. If you compare them to that, there's no contest. The Sonys blow them away, and they're about $100 cheaper. You can find them much cheaper than that. Even when you compare them to like the no-frill status headphones, the flagship ANCs that I talked about on the last episode, they don't compare audio-wise. The flagship, the status audios sound much better than these because they give you that exciting experience. They give you an exciting sound experience. And that's what I want. Honestly, I don't care. I, I, I prefer that they look nice and feel nice, but I don't really care about that so much as if they don't fall apart in two months and they sound good. So I'm going to have to give it a meh. It's a meh. The more expensive it gets and the more disappointed it is, I mean, if those things are out, you know, completely out of sync, then, you know, that, that would be a skip to me. Yeah, absolutely. There are lots of other options that will give you more bang for your buck. Let's just All put right. it that well, way. Well, you know, and, and as you always say, I know your headphone reviews, you know, ears are subjective and, you know, what sounds good to you is other people. But but still, the the once you get into a certain price point, like those things had better like be making me lunch too, you know, in addition to sounding good. And if I'm not getting like the good sound, let alone no lunch, yeah, I'm going to look elsewhere. Yeah. I hate to say it because I'm a big fan of the company, but. Yeah. All right. So the Mephones. The Mephones. Anyway, we should thank the bros. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. They're good at that building stuff. And thank you, listeners. So we hope everyone out there is having a decent holiday season because we are firmly in the middle of it now yes, between are, uh, Thanksgiving yes, and the winter holidays. Hanukkah's already in the rearview mirror, but we hope you are having as festive time as possible with the ongoing pandemic stuff out there. And you can find our show page and all the links to the things we talked about today at poptipjam.com. So until next time, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Thanks, y'all. Stay warm or cold, wherever you happen to be. 